From a little after two o'clock until almost sundown of the long, still, hot, weary, dead September afternoon, they sat in what Miss Coldfield still called the office, because her father had called it that. A dim, hot, airless room, with the blinds all closed and fastened for forty-three summers, because when she was a girl someone had believed that light and moving air carried heat, and that dark was always cooler, and which, as the sun shone fuller and fuller on that side of the house, became latticed with yellow slashes full of dust motes, which Quentin thought of as being flecks of the dead old dried paint itself blown inward from the scaling blinds, as wind might have blown them. There was a wisteria vine blooming for the second time that summer on a wooden trellis before one window, into which sparrows came now and then in random gusts, making a dry, vivid, dusty sound before going away. And opposite Quentin, Miss Coldfield, in the eternal black, which she had worn for forty-three years now, whether for sister, father, or not husband, none knew, sitting so bolt upright in the straight hard chair that was so tall for her that her legs hung straight and rigid as if she had iron shin-bones and ankles, clear of the floor with that air of impotent and static rage like children's feet, and talking in that grim, haggard, amazed voice, until at last listening would renege, and hearing sense self-confound, and the long-dead object of her impotent yet indomitable frustration would appear, as though by outraged recapitulation evoked, quiet, inattentive, and harmless, out of the biding and dreamy and victorious dust. Her voice would not cease, it would just vanish. There would be the dim coffin-smelling gloom, sweet and oversweet, with the twice-bloomed wisteria against the outer wall by the savage, quiet September sun impacted, distilled, and hyper-distilled, into which came now and then the loud, cloudy flutter of the sparrows, like a flat limber stick whipped by an idle boy, and the rank smell of female old flesh long embattled in virginity, while the wan, haggard face watched him above the faint triangle of lace at wrists and throat from the too-tall chair in which she resembled a crucified child. And the voice not ceasing, but vanishing into and then out of the long intervals like a stream, a trickle running from patch to patch of dried sand. And the ghost mused with shadowy docility as if it were the voice which he haunted, where a more fortunate one would have had a house.' 